time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! This is a show where we wake up with a Saturday morning sun and plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. This morning, we watched Ruby. Spelled R-W-B-Y, so Ruby. 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 And this was suggested by our friend Alicia. So thank you very much, Alicia. Yes, thank you, Alicia. So the show Ruby started in 2013. It's actually still going. So this is I a very recent cartoon created by Monty Um of Rooster Teeth, produced by Rooster Teeth. It's run for four seasons so far, 43 episodes on the Rooster Teeth website, YouTube, Crunchyroll, and Netflix as of most recent, I believe. Oh, I didn't even realize it was on Netflix. Yeah, Man. I, I think it was just the first two seasons, but they may oh, have updated okay. it past that at this point. I don't know. Nice. Yeah. For a short synopsis, Team Ruby trains to fight crime and monsters known as the Grim. Together, they will protect the world of Remnant. That's a pretty basic overview, but Yeah, there's wrong. a lot more going on in there, but they're not wrong. No. So, Chris, who were a few of the actors that played in this show? All right, so I just put down the four main characters that are part of Team Ruby, or Team Ruby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so Ruby Rose is voiced by Lindsay Jones. Yang Xiaolong um, is voiced by Barbara Dunkelman. Um, Wise Schnee is voiced by Kara Eberl and Blake Belladonna voiced by Aaron Zek. Um, all four of these women are part of the Rooster Teeth greater collective. The, a lot of them are on multiple shows. One of them was actually like an office manager for Rooster Teeth for a while. And she's since left Rooster Teeth, but she still reprises her role on the show. So interesting. Yeah. They haven't really been in much else outside of Rooster Teeth products, but they've been in several Rooster Teeth presentations. So. That, that's cool. Keeping it in-house. Yep. So here's a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of Ruby cereal. Ruby cereal. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to keep doing that the whole episode. Ruby. Ruby cereal. Uh, so apparently the creator, Monty Um, designed the world map by squirting ketchup on a napkin, scrunching it up, and then unfurling it. He then used the shapes the ketchup made as inspiration for the size and shape of the landmasses. That's really kind of weird and awesome at the same time. Right? Yeah, that's a way to I do like it. I like that idea. The names of each of the four main characters relate to the color of their hair and the main color of their outfits. Ruby's main color is red. Her name refers to the color of the ruby gemstones. And also, she is an homage in a way to Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weiss's main color is white. Her name means white in German. And she's sort of an homage to Snow White because her full name, Weiss Schnee, literally means Snow White in German. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Blake's main color is black. Her name is an old English word for black. And she was actually inspired by Beauty and the Beast. Her last name, Belladonna, is kind of like Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And mm. the guy who she has the most interactions with in the show, Adam, was the Beast's name before he turned into the Beast. 
Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. And then finally, Yang's main color is yellow. Her name means sun in Cantonese, and she is inspired by uh, Goldilocks. So all of these huh. are kind of fairy tale characters, but n- only only in a very indirect way. It's yeah, not only an inspiration. Right. It's not that they're not, these characters like destroying monsters, yeah. but that would be cool, too. Oh, man, that is. I like that. I like all of that. That's cool. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really interesting reading into it. So and finally, the show became such a huge viral hit that a fan created a game titled Ruby Grim Eclipse which was later officially adopted by Rooster Teeth and was fully released for PC on July 5th, 2016. And, wow. And I heard that they Rooster Teeth also hired this fan, this guy, onto the team you know, because of this game. And I think he, he came up with this game in um, like a, a period of five months or fully developed it in a period of five months. And I watched wow. some videos of it, and it's actually, it actually looks like a really cool game. It's kind of like, a, um, I can't think of like a really direct thing to compare it to but almost like dynasty warriors because they're sending these hordes of enemies at you those grim oh, monsters that's cool yeah so i would totally play that yeah it looked really cool is it ruby eclipse is that what you said uh grim eclipse it's called ruby grim eclipse grim eclipse yes <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah dude that's so cool that they that they ended up hiring this fan and released his like fan made game as an actual product and brought him into the team and everything. That's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, like you, you never hear stuff like that happening. Yeah. That just goes to show like what, what having those inspirations or what, what uh, developing your inspiration can do for you. Like it can go a long way. And that's almost like, I don't know a whole lot about rooster teeth, but what I do know is that, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of a, I mean, they're kind of a big company at this point, but they're, still somewhat small company and anything they develop is yeah. are things that they would want to watch themselves. Like they don't make anything that just to make it it's, it's all right. by fans for fans. And so this was just another fan, a fan making something that was by fans for fans in the first place. So it's just a constant cycle. I like it. That made my head hurt. Uh, so Chris, do you have any memories of this show at all? Um, not really. I mean, I know of Rooster Teeth because I used to watch Red vs. Blue all the time, and I love Red vs. Blue. I mean, it started out just really basic and silly, and then it grew in complexity for years, and then became this awesome story that actually had a lot of depth. And so when I was watching this, I can see some of that like writing. They're very skilled writers. Um, like I, I gotta give them that they're extremely skilled at writing. So I could definitely get that same feeling. And the only other exposure I've really had is, um, is through Alicia because she cosplayed as Ruby, Ruby, um, and during San Diego comic-con, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and her costume was really awesome. And I felt bad because I felt like I couldn't appreciate it as much because I didn't know the character but it was really intricate. Like the the weapon that she made was just amazing. And all these people were constantly stopping to take pictures with her. So she obviously did a, a great job at it. So yeah, that's pretty much my only exposure. And now that I've seen it, I can appreciate her cosplay as like, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm kind of in the minority, I think, but I didn't really know anything about rooster teeth i had heard the name before but i couldn't have tied it to anything except red versus blue and only in the sense that i had heard about that too like i've never seen that i just know it's a 
a weird Halo thing. And I wasn't a fan of the Halo games, so it made sense that I didn't <laughs> care about that right. at the time. But, I mean, after watching this, I mean, maybe I should give that a chance. Oh, you should. <laughs> it's like Red vs. Blue is hilarious. I mean, it's just like it doesn't really have anything to do with the actual Halo universe. It's just like they made their own story using Halo not even characters, you know, because they just went into multiplayer mode and yeah. made their own characters through it. And oh my gosh, it is funny stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't think I ever would have heard about this show, period, in my entire life, if not for Alicia. So thank you. Maybe. Yay. Maybe thank you. Uh-oh. But anyway, let's jump into the three episodes we watch for today's show. Very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally, random listener chosen episode. Order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically, but of course, we have to start with the very first episode being Ruby Rose, season one, episode one, where Ruby Rose finds herself in the middle of a robbery committed by famous criminal Roman Torchwick. I really like the the setting for this story. Like, I like that they give, like, the history, like, the legend, basically, behind, like, the grim and how humanity, like defeated them and kind of built into this society and now the grim's basically coming back yeah um, the, the grim it, are coming it's really back really cool and then the magic sort of in this universe or is called dust yeah or it's in a way it's kind of like elemental magic somewhat it's it's uses these stones or this kind of liquid stuff from what I gathered from the first episode and it opens inside of a, a dust shop kind of Mm-hmm. where the the villain as they were saying who's who looks kind of like uh, Alex from Clockwork Orange at least he looks a lot like Alex from Clockwork Orange in his attire like, yeah it's absolutely there's no way he was not based on that character right so he is basically robbing the the old shopkeep of uh, his dust magic yeah. stuff i don't really know what to even call it like just it was like there was like a bunch of gems in there uh-huh. And that was stuff to be used. But he also had for, like a slurpy machine of dust that was just oh, like yeah, yeah. They, they put in those little tubes. Yeah, they um so these bad guys with Roman going there, they're like robbing the place. And I love that um <laughs> Ruby's just in the back of the store with headphones on, not knowing what's happening. Oh yeah, she's listening to records back there. Yeah, and and this one one bad guy is like confronting her and she's like, What? <laughs> And then she's like, are you robbing me? And he's like, yes. And she's like, <laughs> oh. And then throws him through a window. That was awesome. That was such a great opening to her character for sure. Yeah, that was pretty funny. We get to see her kind of chase down the character, Roman, who shoots at her with his with his cane and uses it as an escape tactic to... But not a very good one because she sees him just climbing up a ladder or something <laughs> yeah. onto a rooftop. So she chases him down. As she gets up there, a giant helicopter comes up to uh, rescue Roman. And then there's this other dust user who's inside of the helicopter, like a kind of a fire uh, pyro dust yeah, user. Yeah. That that female and we don't really get a good look at her face. Like she's kind of she's it's, very yeah, shrouded, concealed in, in the shadow. Yeah, but it just it made her character more intriguing because there's just a lot of mystery there, and she seems like she'd be extremely powerful because she fires like this fire magic or something like right at her. But then this other woman, who we later find out is a huntress, mm-hmm. jumps in front of Ruby and, and basically redirects the fire and saves her. It was really cool. I, I liked it. Yeah, Ruby has this giant scythe, this giant red scythe that yeah. she's trained in using. 
we we find out that she was trained by her uncle Crow, but she's mm-hmm. not part of the the main school, the uh, Beacon School, right? But she wants to be, but she's still, I think, a couple years from graduating from the initial school, the the Signal School that she starts at Signal Academy, and yeah. seeing this feat of heroics and her mastery of this scythe. The the headmaster, well, the huntress takes her to the to meet up with the headmaster of Beacon. Oh, the huntress's name was Glinda Goodwitch, which obviously Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, but, very much. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so the the headmaster is like, if you want to go to the school, you know, you're welcome to it. Basically, skips her ahead two grades because she's already so masterful with that scythe. Right. Like the best way I can describe it is like, so the Signal School would be kind of like. Almost like ROTC or something. And then Beacon is like full-fledged, like military, you know, something like that. Like right. that's this, you, um, you know, you're making it into like the, the big ranks once you get there. So, um, yeah, she gets skipped ahead several years to go to Beacon, which is where her sister is. Hasn't started yet, but is, was about to start. So now they get to go together. Her sister being Yang. Right. And, and the yellow of... R-W-B-Y, yeah. Yellow. Oh! Oh, no way! What? Ah, I didn't didn't get that. Holy crap. You didn't get that it was red, white, black, yellow? No, I didn't get it. Oh my Ah. gosh. I was was like, why are they spelling her name weird for the title? Oh my god. (laughs) Oh, Uh, wow. I need to go. I need to leave. (laughs) We're done. This podcast is over. (laughs) How, uh, how did I not catch on? That is the first thing I was like, that is spelled weird. What could it mean? And so I I, th- I thought about it for a second, and that's all I could come up with was the colors. That's also happens to be the colors of um, Rooster Teeth's logo are red, white, black, and yellow, which is why they named it that. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, I feel so stupid now. Dang it. <laughs> Dang. I'm not very observant. That's I mean, hilarious. nobody has ever accused me of being observant. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, um, it was good to be a part of your discovery here. <laughs> the realization. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish I could have seen myself, you know, on camera <laughs> when, when that, like, you know, hit my mind. It I just, like, I just saw your eyebrows whoa. raise above your head. Just what? <laughs> when you realized, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> um. <laughs> So the let's address the elephant in the room, which is that this animation is very unconventional. For unconventional is a word for it. It's very so it's very digital, um, and everything's drawn with thin lines and lots of cell shading. And this reminds me of like Dreamcast games, like the early Sony Dreamcast video games. This is what the graphics remind me of. When I first started watching it, I was very underwhelmed by it. Right, and um. So just because the backgrounds were very simple, there wasn't a lot of detail, but you know, this was a very small company, so you kind of got to cut them a little slack there. But yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed with it until they started the fights. So once she started fighting those henchmen, because I mean, it was just, it was done really well and it was so fast paced. I was just like, oh, okay, I like this. And then when you start getting to see like the magic and things like that, I think it looked really cool. But yeah, it is like watching cutscenes from a video game. Yeah. This this show reminds me of like some sort of like Final Fantasy game that we never got. Kind of. I feel I felt more like the first episode was very underwhelming to me and it was almost like 
I I was kind of sighing a little bit where I was like, oh, is the whole thing going to be like this? And I was worried <laughs> that I wasn't going to get like because it's all just very in your face and there didn't seem like there was going to be much to it at first. And I will sure. I'll, I'll put emphasis on that. At first, that's how I felt. The first episode right. I was like, oh, like if if this was the only episode that I had to watch, I'd be done with the series forever. But Fortunately, I was for the sake of the podcast, I did watch the other two and that really kind of changed my opinion of things, which we'll get to in a little bit. Like I um I really like the writing and I like the voice acting in this too quite a bit. So this is written like this feels like I mean the dialogue, the story, it feels like an actual anime that you would find, you know, out there like the the way the characters talk especially Ruby in particular is very like they hit a few anime tropes, but not in a way that it doesn't feel original. Like her character feels very original, but she does have a lot of tendencies you see in other animes, but that just made me like her more, honestly. Yeah, I guess. I mean, to me though, the, it almost seemed like it was too anime ish at first. And that's where I was almost like, uh, like, uh, yeah, I was kind of done with it a little bit uh, in the first episode, but yeah. These also episodes are also we've talked a surprisingly long time about this since episodes are very short. The first one especially yeah. was only like 12 minutes. Right. And I think we've talked more than 12 minutes about it already. <laughs> it's weird how that works. <laughs> but the second episode, I think this one was the one chosen by Alicia, was Painting the Town, season two, episode four, where Blake right. and Son find Torchwick supplying advanced armaments to a group of radicals. But the two are discovered. That does happen. Uh-huh. We'll give them that. What I liked about this is we we got to see a lot of there's way more characters than I expected because I, I figured, OK, we got Ruby, we got her sister. And then, you know, on the cover art, you see two other characters. So I kind of figure that's going to be the core of everything. But there is a lot of characters in the show and yeah. um, we get to see a lot of them in this episode, which is kind of cool. And it looks like at the beginning of this episode, Ruby had just met some other character, maybe, and found out that she wasn't a real person. She was oh, like yeah. synthetic. Penny told her that she was, she revealed to her that she was a synthetic person or an android, I guess. Right. And the army, or not the army, the police are kind of after her because General Ironwood helped to build her and he's kind of watching <laughs> over her. Ironwood. Oh, God. That is a certain adult film star's last name, I'm sure. <laughs> he created her, and so she's very valuable, and he wants to keep her safe. So the police are out looking for her, trying to recover her, basically. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, she has to hide Ruby inside of a trash can. <laughs> she throws her in happening. a dumpster. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty... I love their exchange there, and when she gets thrown in the dumpster, she's like, ah! It was good. Yeah, they're... Prepping for a vital festival that's going to happen the following day. Ruby's sister, Yang, is taking this this blue-haired guy. I, I don't know his name. There's a, so many characters. I didn't catch all their There's names. There's a ton of characters. But it's, yeah. this, it's this blue-haired guy who she's taking to a bar that is part of... It's kind of like um, a bar with shady individuals who are part of this um this bad deal that's about to go down that we are that i talked about in the intro right. of the episode and uh she happens to be i guess friends or acquaintances with the bartender so she's able to get in even though guns are pulled on her right as she walks in you know all the guys turn in their guns but i love the the part where the dj like 
steps up and turns the music off because he's in it's a bear like suit. He, he looks like all of the other guys, except he's in a bear suit. Yeah. <laughs> and he just really subtly like reaches up and stops the music. And <laughs> that cracked me up. I actually laughed out loud at that one. That was good. That was pretty good. And uh, Roman Torchwick, we cut to them inside of the or we cut to him inside the kind of a factory where all these people are meeting up. These bad dudes are meeting up to talk about the big mech that he has. And yeah, I think. I think that meeting, I think they're all synthetics also. That's what I think that's the case. That when they have those masks on, I think that's what that's supposed to mean, but I'm not positive. Yeah, because he kept saying something like, you know, I know I'm not, or what was it? He, he was trying to appeal to them because they didn't trust him because he was human. Right. And he's he said humans are the worst. That's right. true. So they, they couldn't be human, really. So, yeah, they, they were probably androids as well, or maybe just some yeah. sort of group that were just anti-human i don't know yeah i'm not sure but yeah but this is it's it's not that it wasn't explained probably very well in the previous episodes it's just the way that we jump these episodes we're missing a lot of context leading up to them so we're just Mm -hmm. going by what we saw we get to see then yang interrogating the bartender oh neptune was the blue-haired guy's name because she says it a little bit later yeah okay so and i'm trying to think um who else was involved? Because we saw Blake at, at one point. Yeah, Blake and Son. She, okay, that's right. Uh-huh. They're the ones who were They're inside. The ones that, yeah, the, they snuck into that place where Roman was speaking right. to these synthetics. And they were wearing those masks as well. Yeah, they put the masks on. And like, I, I'm not going to lie. It was automatic Blake's a hottie because she has little cat ears. And I'm like, whoa. So cats whoa, do it for dude. you? Is that what it is? What? I, I like cats in general. No, but if a girl's got little cat ears on top of her head, like I guess for whatever reason that awakens things. That's interesting. So, yeah. She's a cute cat lady. Cute cat lady. You'll never hear me say that again. We also had a bunny lady. Yes, in the we did. Next and episode. She was, she was just as adorable. So maybe it's just women dressed like animals for you. I guess. Oh God. Does that mean I'm a furry? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Oh man. Ah, <laughs> I do like how um, so Blake and the guy she's with try to take out the mech that Roman gets in because he's he's got this big mech. He's trying to sell it, I think, mm-hmm. to the synthetics as weapons. And he's going to give a demonstration and they try to, like, stop it or something. And he goes after them and they're trying to radio everybody for help. And I like how Blake is like, everyone, if you can hear me, we need back. And then you hear the guy just go, help. <laughs> <laughs> like really loud. What I liked about this episode, one of the the best parts of it, since I didn't really know what was going on beforehand, what I can understand is battle. And when they got into yeah. the giant battle with the mech on the the bridge, that was awesome. Oh my gosh, the fight scenes in this are amazing. Yeah, the fight like, scenes are such a great job. Are so well animated and I guess choreographed in a sense yeah. because they're just feels a lot more fluid than you would think the animation style would allow. But yeah, you know, that's something that happened with, with Red vs. Blue also, because for several seasons of that show, I mean, they were limited by what you can do in the Halo games. Mm-hmm. But eventually they got sponsored by Microsoft. They got more money to work on it. And then they were able to, you know, map their own characters and pretty much animate them as they want. And then all of a sudden you got these beautifully choreographed fight scenes in that show. Yep. So watching this, I'm like, yep, 
I see it. You can definitely tell the same people worked on it because those fight scenes were gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get to see for Chris and I, this was kind of our first. This is our introduction to a lot of these characters fight styles because all we saw in the first episode was Ruby. Really? Right. So we get to see now Ruby, Weiss, Yang and Blake do their thing. And they all have these separate weapons. Um, Like we said earlier, Ruby's is a scythe. Weiss's is like a, a rapier. And yeah. then um, Blake's is like double swords and then a whip as well. And like Catwoman and Yang's is kind of like gauntlets. Dude. But I think she fights more with her fists than anything. Yang was awesome. Finding out what her power was and or the way that, oh, yeah. the way that um, that Ruby puts it is the way that she's special is the more damage she takes. In a way, she's almost like a bishop from X-Men kind of where she kind of oh, absorbs he takes, the he damage. Absorbs energy. He absorbs I was energy, like, but she absorbs the damage that he's taking. I made taking. I made a similar comparison to a someone from the X-Men kind of universe, which was strong guy from uh, oh, X Factor yeah. because that's what happens with him, right? Like the more he gets hurt, the bigger and stronger he gets. I don't know. I think so. It might be the case. Well, if I, I, not, Sebastian Shaw's like the same way too. Or Hulk. The the more you hurt him, the angrier he gets and the stronger he right. gets. So it, all these characters, just she but has the ability cool. to absorb the physical damage she's taking and kind of reflect it back. Yeah, she gets stronger the more she gets hit. So which is which is cool. I like seeing a woman in that role. Cause, yeah, because that's awesome. Like seeing a woman that can just get down and dirty and like really fight. So yeah. that was cool. As it heck. was it was good seeing all of the main characters being really the main. Yeah, they're all team women. Of women. The main team being all women. Yeah, I mean there are huntresses, which is what they are, and then huntsmen which are the the male ones so there are males in this school but it focused on the women which was a kind of a good change of pace yeah there's just a few males really that we know of on that side and yeah they're they're very secondary characters like Mm -hmm. you only see them really in the presence of one of the women which is kind of nice to see yeah and then we get to see well, Roman comes back in. I mean, well, not back in. He's in that mech. But so when the mech gets punched apart, uh, he falls out of it. And then we get to see this other woman come in. I, this oh, is our yeah. first introduction to her. Her name's Neo. And she's oh, like, she's so cool. Her, it, it was funny because have you ever heard the meme or the video or whatever it is called Neon Cat or Neon yeah. Cat? That's what yeah. she's an inspiration because her name is Neon Cat. Oh, Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. That's cool. Yeah. So, but that, but she, as far as we've seen her, has been completely silent, and she's just kind of uh, Roman's bodyguard. She's cool. Like she's got um, one of her eyes is different colored than the other, and yeah, her she's ha- like hair matches it. She's like pink and black. She's almost like two faced, not two faced, right. but like but her hair is split apart in her eyes and her clothing as well. She shows up with like this um, umbrella and like deflects some magic that got yeah, slung like, Roman's way. Like a little parasol, but she's such an amazing fighter. Like you don't, she's, oh my gosh, she's so yeah. confident that you don't see really any kind of weakness in her. She's very just on point. And her power is amazingly cool. So basically like, she grabs Roman and then they get hit by some magic and they just shatter into pieces. But what she does is like, she basically like teleports away, but it like leaves a mirror copy of herself and whoever, you know, she's teleporting that just shatters like glass. 
Oh, yeah. And I'm like, dude, that is cool. That That is is so cool. That is a very cool power. Yeah, I love that a lot. The end of this episode made me laugh because (laughs) after the battle was over and after Roman and Neo got away, they were like, I wonder where Sun and Neptune are. I wonder if they're okay or something like that. And then it cuts to the this ramen bar where they're both sitting, (laughs) eating. And then they're like, they're probably fine, right? Probably. Yeah, they didn't help in the fight whatsoever. They just went and. Started they eating food. ramen. Yeah, they, I but think they, I, I kind of like that. They weren't needed there. Right. I like it because it was like, for one, I mean, that's funny. And it gives, you know, some levity and some some comedy to, to the situation. But two, it's because, you know, these guys are like, you know, th- these women have it. They don't need our help. Yeah. So they're just like, yeah, yeah, they can handle it. They don't need us. Which so is, I think that's cool. Yeah, which is very atypical to a lot of male characters who were yeah. just like oh the woman needs me like i need to be there to protect women whatnot and almost like any cartoon or tv show ever it's almost <laughs> yeah. always the opposite so exactly. it's awesome to see this yeah a good role reversals for sure so the third episode we watched for today's show was heroes and monsters season three episode 11 which was the highest rated and man i can see why yeah yeah oh man stuff went down in this yeah. episode ruby Good faces Lord. ruby faces off against neo and torchwick the war for beacon continues and in the midst of all the chaos blake and adam's encounter reaches a shocking conclusion yeah it does jeez oh man i don't even know i mean we of course this is three seasons in yeah so we've missed a lot of the context around it but it was just awesome visually it was an awesome episode and yeah i got I could see the 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 kindling of what was probably a really strong story leading up to it. Oh yeah, you could very you could very much tell that there's been a lot building and this was kind of like the beginning of like the all out like the desperate like last battle kind of situation. Right. One thing to note is that the animation has improved each season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it definitely shows here because I mean, even in the last episode we talked about the animation had definitely improved, but it's even better in this one. So just the quality just keeps going up and up. Yeah. It was the cleanest that it, that it had been the whole time. I mean, it's yeah. still the same design style. They didn't change it drastically, but it was definitely very clean and a lot smoother than the first episode, especially. And more detail. Yeah. Like, especially in the backgrounds, were much more detailed. Sure. Um, we get to see the Grimms. There's a lot of Grimms. Oh, yeah. The Those Grimms. Those are everywhere. Because at some point in season two, the Grimms kind of broke out into the city. And we're yeah. seeing them here still in the city. You know, the Grimms come in a lot of different forms. There's like, there's scorpion ones. There's dragon looking ones. There's just different kind of beasts. And yeah. they look pretty awesome. They're all basically the same kind of design, but they look really cool. Kind of like if anyone plays World of Warcraft, they kind of remind me of the Shaw a little bit. They're like these black kind of creatures with these like white designs on their their faces and stuff. But mm. it, it's kind of like that. Like all of the Grimms have like a similar like they might be completely different shapes, but they have very similar characteristics in their colors and patterns and stuff. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, we see so many characters in this episode. Like, so the last one we talked about, I was like, man, there's so many. And now they just doubled it pretty much. There's so <laughs> yeah. many. This is like, this is like Game of Thrones level of the amount of characters. There's tons. There's a part of this episode where there's these two characters, three characters who I 
had no idea who they were, and they were doing this thing that was probably really dramatic, but I right, did, yeah. I didn't feel, I felt the weight of it, but I didn't feel the full weight of it just because I didn't know what they were doing even. Right. Um, one of them's name was like Pyra or something, and she had to make this really tough decision of whether or not to, I don't know what she was doing, like taking in the mind or the essence of this other being, but then that yeah, gets foiled yeah. by another person who I'm not sure who she was with, who shot an arrow at the, uh, the other tank. Oh yeah. Oh, so I think what was going on, wasn't that the synthetic girl that went into that tank? Maybe. Yeah. I think that might've been. So it was like the, that headmaster guy was putting her in this tank. There was another girl in another tank that kind of had her eyes closed. Didn't look like she was quite there. And it almost looked like they were transferring energy or something. Yeah. Like, like maybe this was going to be a pivotal moment, but somebody, yeah, shoots an arrow right into the, the other girl, uh, presumably kills her and just like, yeah, you felt like, uh oh, this, this must be really bad. It looks really bad. <laughs> Whatever just happened must be terrible. Her essence gets passed into the one who shot the arrow and it looks like she's up to no good. Right. Basically, the girl who was in the other tank has to escort the guy who was kind of guarding with the shield, escorts him out of there. And I think yeah. the doctor is going to deal with it or the professor is going to deal with it at that point. Yeah. And we don't we don't really see what ends up happening there. Right. Um, between well, this those is two. I think this was the second to last episode of the third season. Yeah, so, yeah, it was. yeah, we get to see well the opening of this episode and kind of a lot in between is Ruby on top of one of these airships fighting against Roman and Neo all around them are these Grimms just flying around and Grimms aren't taking sides. Grimms are their own side. So we see that in its fullest in a bit. Yeah. They're kind of fighting everything. Yeah. Um, Another thing that's going on with like the majority of the characters are fighting multiple because we're talking about that big mech Roman had in the last episode. So now there's a whole bunch of these characters fighting multiple mechs. Oh, yeah, right. Um, There is, like, one in particular that, um, like, three or four of them were all attacking at once and, like, not doing any damage. And so the one that one lady with the big machine gun calls in Velvet, and Velvet is the girl with the rabbit ears. Yeah. And she's like, oh, really? You want me? (laughs) Kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, go for it. And, oh, my gosh, this girl takes it out by herself. Her power is really cool because it's essentially she's able to make kind of astral, not astral, but like uh, these like light weapons hologram light weapons of everyone's weapon around her. Yeah. And so we're seeing her basically go through an arsenal of weaponry to break this mech apart. And just she just demolishes it. Just like everyone was going for this one thing and no one could get it. And this one girl takes it down all by herself. I wonder what her, like what the negative side to her is though, because they were really like reluctant. Like why they were holding her back. Yeah, yeah, they were reluctant to use her. So maybe she just doesn't have control of her own power sometimes. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But yeah, that definitely stood out. So there's definitely more like to know about that. So. Yeah, there's a lot of intriguing subplots and plot points that we didn't have the full understanding of, but something right. I'd like to delve back into and, kind of figure out what the what the details are behind them. One thing that I liked about the bad guy about Roman is that when Ruby's trying to fight him, she says something to him like, why are you helping the Grimms? 
and or she says like you know what do you have to gain and he says basically that he doesn't have anything to gain he just has something he can't afford to lose yeah. so i thought that was a really like cool like turn as far as that goes you know like it's not like he's doing this for power or something like that is there's something going on that that he can't afford to lose this battle yeah it's so, something going on behind the scenes yeah i'm not certain of this because we don't watch past this but this may be the last we see of roman yeah <laughs> it, it kind of leads you to believe that that dude might be done <laughs> yeah also so blake is confronting like she's off by herself blake is confronting some guy that i think is one of the synthetics adam yeah yeah okay adam so she's confronting him and they're kind of fighting and stuff a little bit he gets the better of her and eventually Yang was looking for her and finds her right when Adam's about to like kill her. And um, man, some goes down. Yeah. Jeez. Yang charges at him furiously because like, what he she stabs hears, Blake first. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like they cross paths and you just hear like the sword hit. And then yeah. she falls at the end of it. And it looks like she lost one of her arms. Yeah, like one of her, yeah, one of her arms got chopped off because it goes flying. I was kind of like edge of the seat right there. I was like, what? Like, oh my gosh. And then, and and this, I don't know how they did this. This must be another power Yang has, but I'm not sure. But then um, he goes back to Blake and chops her head off. And my, my jaw literally was dropped. Like my mouth was like wide open. I was like, oh my God. Like I did not see that coming. But then all of a sudden you see Blake and Yang running away. Well, I think uh, Blake can make kind of duplicates or shadows or something. And yeah. so she, oh, that's, that's what she it. put up so that she could run so she could Yang escape. off. Yeah. Yeah. So she got out of there, but they were both really hurt. But yeah. At first, I thought he actually did just cut her head off. And like, I I was like freaking out for him. And I was like, oh, my God, like how the no, <laughs> it's so crazy. One of my favorite parts of this episode, as far as action scenes go, was where Crow, the guy who taught Ruby how to use a scythe, like he's confronting this general or he's he comes face to face with this general who just shot a bunch of androids heads off. And right. Crow pulls out his weapon and General's like, I didn't have anything to do with this. Like, cause he thinks he's after him cause he's looking right at him. And then yeah. he runs at him and jumps past him and just slices this grim right in half, this giant grim oh, dragon yeah. in half. And it's just such an awesome scene watching that fall to pieces as, uh, as he cuts through it. That really was, man, that was, yeah, they did a great job in this episode of making it just seem like this exciting final ditch effort style battle. Yeah. Like, I loved every second of this. Like this could have been the final season and the next episode's a wrap up and that probably would have been satisfactory. But they're continuing with it even now. Like there's a season four as that started in October right. of this year. So it's it's still going still strong. That's awesome. Well, Chris, I think it's about time we bring our inner kids to the present using the magical properties of my handy dandy dustpan and see what they thought of Rooster Teeth's Ruby. 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 I thought this cartoon just looked like a video game reject, but it ended up being really cool with all these awesome fights and battles and their swords that are like swoosh, but they turn into guns like pew, pew, pew. And so many pretty girls. So many girls. I gave this cartoon five bowls of girl power cereal out of five, 
And now I'm going to go ask Blake the cat girl if she will be my girlfriend cat. Bye. Okay, to be honest, unlike some animated shows, the first episode didn't really catch my interest at all. However, by the third episode we watched for today, that's where I was like, okay, whoa, now I understand why people like this. While I originally thought it was pandering too much to the hardcore anime fans and leaving out the rest of its potential audience, the last episode gave me a preview of some of the layers that this show has to offer. Ruby has a compelling narrative, an animation style that gets progressively better, and incredibly engaging combat sequences to boot. I still feel that this show isn't necessarily for everyone, but if you give it a chance, you might be surprised. Overall, I would give Ruby four big bowls of Ruby cereal, or cereal spelled S-Y-R-L out of five. I recommend you give it a shot if you can make it past the first episode. I wonder what my dust weapon would be. Maybe a pair of glasses that I can whip off and transform into a giant scythe like most of the other weapons in the show. Uh, yeah, episode one was a little rough for me, but if you hold out, I mean, it did seem like it was getting a lot better, especially by the third episode where we saw all those plot points coming together. Absolutely. So do you have any other final thoughts on this? Final thoughts are for the team that put this together on a limited budget. This is a huge achievement. Even just looking at it like that, you can appreciate that much about it. But then just seeing how good it's gotten at this point, at least up to season three, it's like, man, they can really do so much with this. They are putting their hearts into it and really giving it a lot of love and care. And that's something that with these other shows owned by giant companies, you may not get to see as much. So it's good to see that it's kind of their personal property, their their baby in a way, and they're treating it as such. Yeah, I was really like you. I was really unsure in the first episode because of the animation until I saw the fight scenes and I thought it was really cool. And then it just like the whole thing grew on me. I felt really sucked into the show because the the story just kept getting progressively cooler. I mean, like we don't get the whole story because we haven't watched it all, but you get these little bits and pieces and it's like kind of glimpsing into this huge unfolding story that, you know, is there. And I was just so impressed by the writing, by the voice acting. I can't stress that enough. I think they did a great job. And there's so many characters that I want to know more about. So, like, I absolutely, I need to watch this whole series. I am definitely planning on it. And as short as it is, there's no excuse not to, really. Yeah, I mean, if every episode's, like, only 15 minutes or so, I mean, it'll be really easy to catch up with it. Yeah, so thanks, Alicia, for suggesting this. I was hesitant at first, but I came around, and I'm, I'm glad that I stuck with it. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm so excited to watch this now. Like, I know that this is going to be one of those shows, like like Avatar The Last Airbender or Voltron and stuff, that I just get super sucked into and just... Like, I have to watch it all right now. So thank you so much. Yeah, especially this because it's still going. Like, who knows what the future yes. holds for Ruby. Oh, man. Ruby. <laughs> well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry. So it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Submitted via Twitter by Callie Rose at Callie Comstock. And once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. We'll see you next Saturday. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com. 